Good morning. I can't tell you how good it is to be back here again. This was one of my favorite appointments. <laughs> I wish I hadn't been an interim so I could have stayed longer. And it's good that even though I can't see your, all of your face, I think I can see enough to recognize most of you anyways. Don't count on me remembering names. It has been, I think, six years since I've been here. And I also had a pretty severe case of COVID, which um, did a number on my memory. So I'm counting on uh, you to pull down your mask and say your name and then put it back up so that I can remember who you are. It's great to be back with the source band. Sound wonderful. Yes. Just thank you for that, leading us in worship. I don't think we uh, understand how significant it is to be in God's house in the fellowship of other Christians until we can't, until we can't for a long period of time like we did with, uh, with COVID. And so to be able to be back again is just such a gift. Um, and it is good to be back with all of you again. I thank uh, Pastor Rob for allowing me to be here. Patty's the one that started this and we just started with maybe a UMW program, and, and if you know Patty, it just kept growing. <laughs> and so here I am for the whole day, and I'm excited to be here and to preach this morning and to present more of the book this afternoon. I'll be reading from the Gospel of Mark. I understand the series has been based on the Gospel of Mark, and I'll be reading the very last chapter. It's the actually the Easter story chapter. When a Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. If you're on the um, autumn side of life, maybe, you know, 70 or a little older, probably the name Paul Harvey is familiar to you. And a particular phrase comes to mind. Now you know the rest of the story. So he would tell a story and elongate a little bit, and then he would say, now you know the rest of the story. But if you're a movie buff of most any age, um, and you get a menu screen where you have some options, what are some of your favorite options when you're watching a movie? It might be the bonus features, or it might be a language that you could watch it in. I only know English, so that's never an option for me. But scene selection can be fun. But always, if there is this, we all want to do it. Alternate endings. 
That's so fascinating to see how various people might have ended that movie. It seems that some screenwriters just can't agree on an ending, and so rather than compromise, they just have alternate endings. You know, a bad ending can ruin a whole story. You can be really engrossed in a book or in a movie, and it gets to the ending and it ruins the whole thing. The ending can be predictable, but it's actually better if it's not quite so predictable. A surprise or something intriguing can really make even a so-so story a good story. The Gospel of Mark seems to be one of those scripts where the writers over generations could not agree on the ending. The original ending is the shortest one. It's the, it's the one that, that, I, that I read uh, just a few minutes ago. And it ends this way. And they told no one, for they were afraid. And they told no one, for they were afraid. Now Mark has just told the greatest story that has ever been told, and he ends with, and they told no one, for they were afraid. I mean, that's just an impossibly bad ending to an amazing story. Listen to how the Gospel of Matthew ends his story. He ends it with Jesus' words saying, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That gives us such hope. It's a great ending to the story. The Gospel of Luke ends his story this way. Those who followed Jesus worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, blessing God. Also, a much better ending than Mark's. Then John ends his this way, and I, I, frankly, I think it's the best of the four Gospels. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's really a much, much better ending. It suggests a sequel, maybe several sequels to the movie. All of these other Gospels are, are really great endings. They're, they're, they end with a sound and a shout of victory. They just make you want to get up and do something for Jesus. But Mark tells of the women who went to the tomb that Easter morning. So they went out and they fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Fear had gripped them so tight that it made them silent. Now, no reputable author would end his story that way. But there's more. If you were to read the Gospel of Mark in the Greek, it would end with the Greek word gar, which is in English for, F-O-R. So it ends with the preposition for. Now, if you remember anything about your English classes early on, you never end a sentence with a preposition, let alone a whole book, especially a book as important as this that tells the story of Christ. Ending it with a preposition? In fact, the ending is so bad that other endings were added. There's a shorter one, and in your Bible, most of the time they're listed. It depends. Out of the New Revised Standard Version, it lists the two other endings. There's a shorter one, and then there's a longer one. The shorter ending just corrects that the women wasn't so much they didn't tell anybody, but they told those around Peter. Because frankly, if they didn't tell anybody, how do we know to even put it in there, right? 
unless, of course, Mark was one of the women, was one of the Marys, and then, then they put it in that way. But that gets into a whole nother bailiwick. So the short ending is that they told those around Peter. Then later on, another longer ending was added. It actually has 10 verses. And it includes a little bit of what was written in the Gospel of Matthew and what was written in the Gospel of Luke. And it also includes this sort of unfortunate verse about picking up snakes and drinking poisonous uh, drinks and po picking up poisonous snakes and drinking poisonous drinks and that people won't be harmed if they do that. And that's led to some rather strange and deadly worship practices over the years. But because the original ending was not adequate, later generations felt compelled to write their own ending. Let me say that again, because it's the point of the message. Later generations felt compelled to write their own ending. I think that's it. I think that's the reason for not including an original and originally a proper ending. I think it was intentional. Now, some Bible scholars will tell us that probably part of the part, um, parchment got lost, that they got there, there was actually more to the ending, but it got lost. But what if it wasn't lost? What if this really was the intentional ending of the Gospel of Mark? The first generation of Christians maybe left the story unfinished, but future generations would feel compelled to write their own ending. Maybe Mark was asking every generation, every church, even every individual, to write their own ending to the gospel story. So what do we do with this good news? This compelling story deserves a compelling ending, don't you think? I mean, the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and so, now what? Now what, we who follow Jesus? How will we end this gospel story? In October of 2017, I had a dream. And the dream was to set loose two stories, two powerful stories. But frankly, the stories were so intertwined that in many ways they really were just one story. It's the story of the two earliest Methodist clergywomen in Virginia. Their names were Lillian Russell and Mildred Long. Now, I had heard of both of them, but I had never met either one of them. And both of them had died many years before my dream, and so I couldn't go to them for first-person interviews. So I set out to learn their stories from other sources. I interviewed people who knew them, but I went to the place where all great history researchers go, and that's Google. It's amazing what you can find there. And I went to newspapers.com, was very helpful, as well as ancestry.com, especially to find their families. I went to the Methodist Archives in Richmond and in Ashland. I went to church historians and church addicts and church libraries. I went to their places of birth and death, to the churches they served and the seminaries they attended. And I got a lot of information, and I began to sort of piece it together to tell their story. You know, it was as if their story just had to be told, and I was the one that God had called to tell it. 
I knew the title almost immediately. Nevertheless, she preached. It was the perfect title to their story. And frankly, I already had a t-shirt that said, nevertheless, she preached. So I already had the t-shirt for the book. Now, in May of this year, I was finally ready to push the publish button on Amazon. And now the story was out. And as people began to buy the book, I began to hear from them. Wow, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about them. I, I got so involved in the stories. I, I laughed and I cried and I got angry. I mean, really, they said everybody ought to read this, not just women. There's something about, you know, women read stories of women's history. And but anyway, so, um, but it's really a story that all of us should read because it's a story in many ways of all of us who follow Jesus. Their ministry changed lives when they were alive, and now their story is changing lives again because stories are powerful. Stories have the power to change lives. I bet all of us can think of at least one story that we've heard, if not dozens of them, that changed the way we understood things, that changed the way we think about life, changed the way we think about our family and our family's history, about how we think about our government, how we think about our world, how we think about so many things. Stories are really powerful. Just like, just like the women at the tomb, and just like Lillian and Mildred, we too have a story to tell. It's a story of what God has done for us. It's a story about how God has saved me, how God has redeemed you, how God has restored you. And it's a story that's unique to just you. Your story isn't like anybody else's story, and theirs isn't anything like yours. Your story may be long or it may be short. It may be dramatic or it may be pretty unspectacular. But whatever your story is, it has power. Power to change lives just as it changed your own life. Now, some people are going to say, not me. I don't have any stories. I have no story to tell. But I'm here to tell you that you do. Everyone in this room has a story to tell. And if you don't know what your story is, then ask someone who knows you pretty well and ask them to remind you of your story. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be written down. It's just what God has done for you. That's all it is, is what God has done for you. Now, you can also ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of your story. Jesus, the, the, night of, the night before his death, was talking to his disciples, and they knew that the end was very near. And they were a little nervous that they weren't going to remember everything that Jesus had, had taught them because they wanted to tell it to other people. But that Sermon on the Mount was long. There was no way they could remember all of that. But he said to them, the Holy Spirit will remind you you see, our memories may be faulty, but the Holy Spirit forgets nothing. All you have to do is say, I know you have not left me without a witness, so please, Holy Spirit, bring it to my memory. And then listen. 
Listen to your mind during the day and to your dreams as you sleep, and the story will reveal itself. Because your story is unique. There is no story just like yours, and your story is powerful. And there are people whose lives will be changed because you have told your story. Who will tell it if you don't? The last thing Jesus did was to tell us to tell the story. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world and tell. In the first uh, chapter in Acts, the resurrected Jesus says, be my witnesses. Be my witnesses in your home and in the world. Tell the story. Tell the story of, of grace and love. Tell the story, Jesus says, of my life and death and resurrection. Go, tell, be a witness of the story of Jesus. But also tell the story of love and grace in your own life. Tell the story of Jesus, but tell the story of Jesus in your own life, of your own life and death to sin and confusion and your resurrection to abundant life. Because if you don't tell it, think about this, if you don't tell your story, you will have just strangled it. You will have put it under a bushel basket. You will have buried it. We are called to tell the story. We are called to be that light on the hill, to go into all the world and to tell people about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. We are to tell the story about Jesus in the world, all around us, and a story of Jesus in us. The Bible asks the question, how will they hear if there is no one to tell? The prophet Joel instructs us this way, tell your children of it. And let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Do your children and those of you who have grandchildren, do they know your story? Have you ever shared your story with them about what God has done in your life? Come and hear, the psalmist says in 6616, come and hear all of you who fear God. I will tell you what he's done for me. Come on, come gather around me and let me tell you what God has done for me. That's what the psalmist wants us to do, to get excited about telling our story. Jesus said to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon you and you will be my witnesses. Be a witness. Go, tell your story. Because telling it just in the telling will change your own life and it will change the life of those who hear it. Some of you know I brought copies of the book with me. They were available outside here at the sanctuary and before the service and will be again after the service. I want you to read the stories of Reverends Lillian Russell and Mildred Long. I'm going to share some more this afternoon at 2 o'clock. For uh, anyone who wants to come, I'll tell a little bit more about how the story came to be and then share a little bit about the book itself and there'll be some time for discussion and conversation and I'll bring some of the research I found and have some of that original research out for you to look at as well. I believe that knowing their story will inspire you. I want to allow you, I want you to allow them to be a witness in your own life. Maybe Mark ended his gospel with a preposition intentionally. 
Maybe he was counting on us to write the ending. And the women were afraid and told no one. Oh, but it doesn't end there because we pick up the pen and we begin to write. But there were these other people who lived in 2021 who overcame their fear and they could not contain their gratitude for what God had done for them and they just spilled their guts. They poured out their souls to anybody who would listen to them. Their children and their grandchildren, they were changed by their story. Their church and their neighbors and total strangers were changed by their testimony. The world was changed by their witness. Wouldn't that be a grand way for this generation of Christians to complete the Gospel of Mark? That would be an ending to the Gospel story that was worth celebrating. Amen? and amen.